Hey, hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. So, hey, today's episode is called Condo Kids, and that's right, I'm going to straight up ride Marie Kondo's coattails here. I'm a little, I'm a little mad. I'm, I'm a minimalist by nature. I am super organized by nature and I'm a little bummed that I didn't think to get famous for, for organizing. <laughs> now, whether or not you're actually into Marie Kondo and the Japanese way of, of decluttering and tidying up doesn't matter. I'm calling it Kondo Kids because I really want to talk about how much crap our kids have and how to get rid of some of that crap. Whenever I begin working with a family on behavioral issues in their little one, the very first thing we have to look at is environment, right? If a child's environment is cluttered, chaotic, if they have too many options, their little toddler brain is going to explode. You're going to see meltdown behavior. You're going to see niggly behavior, and you're going to see a general dis-ease and, and dissatisfaction and unrest. So we always want to look at the environment. One of the things is when I was, I was a kid, like growing up, up until I guess I was about 20, I was a collector. I was a little hoarder and I moved to San Francisco when I was 21 and I moved cross country, East coast to West coast. I took a bus because I thought that was cool and it was also very cheap (laughs) and I took just a trunk. And I'll never forget the feeling. I arrived in San Francisco, and of course, this was way back in 1991 when you could afford to live in San Francisco. And I got off the bus and I got an apartment immediately. And it was a studio apartment painted white with like an off-white rug. And I sat there with this small trunk of belongings. And I never forgot the feeling of mental clarity. I was like, wow, white walls and empty space. And I had such limited belongings with me. And I I remember even at the time saying, hang on to this feeling because you've never really felt this before, this sort of like mental clearness. And I really have. I've hung on to that. And I, you know, there's all kinds of stuff online that creative people are very cluttered. It, It doesn't matter. Clutter and kids clutter is not good for our little ones. So no matter how you feel about it, We do need to look at the environment around your child, especially if you're seeing wonky behavior. Now, you know, maybe it happened the day you had your baby shower. You have a kid and just crap enters your life. It's just the amount of stuff that kids just naturally sort of come with, you know, all the equipment and the clothes. And we also have a tendency, not only do our kids get too much crap, right, but we have a tendency to want to like fill space and we think choices are good. And so we love having lots of options, lots of options in clothes and lots of options in toys. And and so we end up just with so much stuff. When I say crap, I don't mean it's shitty crap. It could be like really beautiful crap, right? It could be, I don't know, wooden toys and hand painted by, you know, a indigenous tribe in, in Africa and you paid a shit ton of money for it. It doesn't have to be just the plastic, the, the crappy crap, right? Cause we have tons of that too. That just comes with kids. And if you have a kid who's like, you know, of speaking age, you know that they're just natural hoarders. You can't get rid of anything with them, right? But let's talk about two big things that happen when children have too much stuff surrounding them, too many options, too many um, toys, clothes, books. 
What ends up happening is number one, they have choice paralysis. And this is a very real thing. There's a famous experiment where two people stood outside like a cupcake shop and one person had vanilla. Oh no, maybe it was ice cream. Uh, it, it, it holds the, the theory holds no matter what, but they had a vanilla and chocolate. One person giving away free samples, right? And the other person had all kinds of like 10 different flavors and they were fancy flavors, right? And the person who had the vanilla and the chocolate got rid of all their samples in like, you know, 20 minutes. And the person with all the, the variety of flavors really couldn't get rid of their samples because people walking by, their brain sort of froze at the options that were available. Vanilla and chocolate, very easy. I like vanilla or I like chocolate, right? But when you start getting into these like fancy flavors, people's brains stopped working and they were like, no, I can't even, I can't even choose, right? And I know. And you probably know as an adult, like if we have a really crowded closet and you go to get dressed in the morning or get dressed for an event and you like have all these options, you get like, uh, uh, I don't know what to choose, right? And we get very, dis, we have this like dis, this dis-ease in us where we get a little dissatisfied. We're like, well, maybe this one, maybe this one. And then all of a sudden we can't really choose. So that happens to our little ones. And the problem with choice paralysis in a kid who has very low skills who doesn't have a whole lot of words to use for his experience, what happens is you can get this just fall out meltdown, which can often happen. You can get what looks like bad behavior or disagreeable behavior. You know, if you send your child like, hey, why don't you go get dressed? And their closet is bursting with clothes and they can't find things easily or can't take something out easily, right? They're going to be like, they're not going to have the skills to be like, okay, let me push these aside and let me take out my five favorite outfits and I can choose from there. They don't have, they don't have that skill set, right? So you're just going to get a child who looks like they can't get dressed in the morning or that they can't choose. And I know that is a big issue with a lot of kids. The other thing that happens is a, a term I call butterfly play. Now, butterfly play has to do with too many toys. And what happens is your child will actually look like a butterfly, right? Like land on something and then quickly fly away. I call it the toy version of Tinder, right? It's the idea that something is something better is just around the corner. So I'm not going to really focus and I'm not going to commit to this one, this one toy, this one version of play because, oh, there's another choice. There's another choice. And the danger here, especially once your child is like three, four, five, we really, really want them in deep play. We want them focused. I almost want your kid so focused that they're not listening to you. We'll get to that in a well, How Your Kids Don't Listen episode. But that's what I want. I want your child in deep play. When they're in that deep play where they can't hear you, the world has gone away. Oh, my God, their imaginations are working. Their brain is working in the most delicious ways. And that's what we really want to foster. When you watch a child, you can see this in, um, you can see this in museums. You can see this in big, overwhelming environments, right? When a child is doing butterfly play, you can see the dissatisfaction. You can see again that under the surface, nerve jangling dis-ease. I'm not disease, right? Dis-ease. They're, they're, they're uncomfortable. They're, they're like, oh, where's the next thing? It's an itchy kind of look and they're going to float. And you can start to see in their eyes and their behavior, you can start to see them ramp up. And that's what we want to avoid. The best thing in the world is imagination and creative play that's super focused. And if your child, your child probably has something 
I know with um, Pascal, it was trains. And oh my God, that kid could look at the wheels of a train, you know, wooden trains, model trains, whatever it was. And he was the train. And so that kind of play, that's what we're looking for. There's another reason you want deep play, you guys. Not only is it amazing for your child's development and their imagination and their creativity, it gets you off the hook, right? If your child is in this unsatisfied, this dissatisfied play, bouncing from thing to thing, right, they're going to need you more. They're going to be needy. They're going to want you to be their playmate. But when they get into this deep play, you can go sit and have a cup of coffee. And I think that's just as valid as fostering their brain development and their creative minds and imaginations, that we want you out of this equation as much as humanly possible because you're you're doing your job. You don't have to be there 100% and be their playmate. All right, so if you've ever tried to purge with a child, I'm sure you are familiar with the uh, hoarding tendency, which is you can't get rid of anything. You cannot do Marie Kondo's spark joy with a child because I can guarantee every single thing is going to spark joy. So this this great purge has to happen on your own. And I, don't even try it. Don't even try it with a child. I have tried numerous times and it doesn't work. By the way, Pascal is now 12 and a half and just now he was able to fully purge his room, okay? And he was able to be like, no, I don't need this anymore. But oh, good Lord, when he was four or five, there was no way. So you can't do the like, does this spark joy thing? But what you can do as a parent is you can witness. You can witness and note when your child's in deep play and when they're super engaged. And so we want to obviously pick those activities. Those kinds of toys are going to be the best thing. Obviously, we're going to talk about like how you should purge in one second, but obviously you're not going to take anything that your child absolutely adores, even if it's a toy you don't particularly care for. One thing is we 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 kind of can get caught in a like forcing our child to try to like a certain thing. So don't do that. You know, if your kid loves something that you hate, it's a digital thing or a thing that presses buttons, hang on to it for now. We don't want to pull the rug out from under them. We do want to look at the, the quality of toys. And I am of the philosophy that open-ended is absolutely the best thing. So toys don't have to be toys. They can be boxes, boxes, feathers, sticks, strings, those kinds of things make the best toys. And we know that. I don't, I don't know collectively why we don't just give boxes on the major holidays and birthdays. Like, here's a big box. But we know, we know that kids love these because they're open-ended, which means they become anything the child wants. And, and that allows that imagination to blossom. Same thing. I was, I went to a, a friend's house and I was so surprised. The child had a play kitchen and it was, it was the plastic kind of kitchen. And I was really disappointed because there was all kinds of food, every single actual kitchen thing you could think of. The stove had a little turn that like lit the burner up. It, it was, this kitchen was very, very realistic and all the miniature food was very cool. But what I saw was this really directed play. And I was thinking back to like years ago, I remember play kitchens were like, Duh, just, a, just kind of a box with like some burners bur drawn onto it. So you want to stay away from super, super specific toys because again, they can't, your child can't really blossom. A lot of people have mixed feelings about merchandise toys, you know, like 
I know Paw Patrol specific things or Doc McStuffin specific things. And part of the, the quote unquote danger of that is that your child's play is directed by the program they've watched, assuming that, you know, they love Paw Patrol. They got Paw Patrol merchandise. Now their play is going to be directed by Paw Patrol. So again, it's something that you want to maybe keep your eye on. Again, those open-ended things. And I think really, once I caved into, for my own personal house, I caved into rocks and sticks. I got baskets. And I kind of had this cool aesthetic going on, this really natural aesthetic going on in my house that I loved. And we know, we know that kids need less, right? Like if you go on vacation or you go to the beach one day and your kid doesn't have any toys, they will play with a rock and a stick. It will become people, it will become houses, and they're very, very content. So just keep that in mind because really, when it comes to brass tacks, we can all do with so much less. And again, I'm not trying to make you minimist because it's like minimalist because it's the new thing. I'm trying to mitigate that crappy behavior. It makes such a difference. So let's talk about how we can actually do this. This is the best way, the fastest way. So the very first thing you're going to do, will hit toys, books, and clothes. Okay, so let's do toys first. The biggest first thing you have to do is gather all the toys. And this is going to be overwhelming. And you might have to have somebody take your child out of the house for several hours so you can get this done. All the toys. Gather all the toys everywhere that's scattered about your house and put them in the living room. Number one, we have to face the reality that, holy shit, you're going to be shocked. There is so much stuff. And even if you think you don't have a lot of stuff, you're going to be shocked at how much stuff is sitting in your living room. It may not even fit. So you want to do that. Right away, you want to go through and you want to divide that pile in half. In half. And this is going to be half of this stuff is going away from your house. Okay, so that you're making executive decisions right away. No, doesn't play with this. No, this is broken. Anything. If something's broken, deal with it right now. Okay, (laughs) don't put it in the attic. Don't think you're going to deal with it later. Deal with it now because you won't. You have a busy life with a toddler, maybe more kids. You're not going to deal with it. Okay, we're going to get rid of that half. Now, I want to talk very briefly about getting rid of. You have three options, right? You can sell, resell, you can throw away, or you can give away. And the reason we really need to talk about this is because most people think they're going to sell it. And I'm here to tell you that's probably not going to happen unless you're already, you already have an Etsy account set up. You're a whiz with Craigslist. You do this all the time. You buy, sell, trade all over the internet, or you have a great consignment store nearby. If you don't already do this, I can guarantee if you think you're going to sell it, it's going to sit in your basement, attic, or garage for the next 10 years. And I see this over and over again. I see it with clients. I see it with friends. I had a friend who had her entire garage was stuff she was going to sell. Her kids are teenagers and she still hasn't sold their baby stuff. Can't fit their car in the garage because she's going to sell this stuff. And I was like, dude, nobody even wants your shit anymore. Like that shit is from 1994. It looks ancient, right? <laughs> so <laughs> The plastic probably had BPA. The paint probably has lead in it. Like nobody wants your shit when it's that old. So don't be very, very cautious. You might take a couple of pieces and, and think, okay, this I'm really not going to let go of. This needs to be sold. That's fine. A couple of things, but you got to hop to it. 
throwing away. Obviously, we don't want to just carelessly fill the land, the landfill, but I have to be honest, you guys, your sanity and your child's behavior is you're allowed to throw away. So if you're of a mind of being extremely environmentally aware, also be aware that your mental state and your child's mental state can take priority. So I give you permission to just throw it away. You want to be super conscious maybe of when things come into your house from here on out, but it's okay to just throw it away. And of course, recycle if it's plastic and, and do the appropriate throwaways. And then again, and the last thing is give away. And I have always found giving away to be the most effective, especially something that you love and treasure. Give it to somebody who'll enjoy it. A friend. I love handing off Pascal's old stuff that, that I treasure, knowing that another friend is going to treasure it just as much. Homeless shelters, domestic violence shelters, anything like that, that you know your your treasure will also be treasured, go for it. So those those are the three things. I feel like that's where people get stymied when I'm working with a client is they have all this stuff and then they don't know how to get rid of the stuff. That first pile, I'm telling you right now, be brutal, you guys. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make your life so much better. Okay, so now you have that half pile sitting in your living room, okay? You're going to divide that pile into two. So now you have two quarters of piles, right? One of those is going to become your toy library. And the other quarter goes in the home. You're going to keep that in the home. The toy library is like the best thing in the world. You keep that quarter and you keep them, you know, in a box or whatever, a bin, in an attic, the basement, and it becomes literally a, a library. So your child can either know about it or not know about it. You know, I've worked with both. Some kids, it's better that they don't know about it because they're just going to want the stuff that's in there. So you can just overnight switch out some of the toys and it's like freaking Christmas or their birthday uh, every six weeks or so so that they don't get tired of, you know, they start to wear out on the toys they have. And then you bring out these new toys. And I'm telling you, it expands the toy life, the lifespan by a lot. So your child's not getting bored with, you know, oh, I, I don't like this toy anymore. Ta-da! Here's a new toy that's not even really a new toy. Everything has a home. So that last quarter, you're putting it away Here's the thing. Don't fear empty space. I had a friend who called me and she said, oh my God, I Montessoried the fuck out of my house. It was awesome. And she said, I can't believe how much my kid is like playing. He's just in his room for hours. So concentrated, so focused. It's so freaking awesome. But she had to figure out that she was fearing empty space right? So don't fear empty space. We feel like we need to fill everything. It's okay to have a couple of empty cubbies. It's okay to have this austere thing for your child. Let them focus. This kid just had a couple of items and then all of a sudden he was like super into deep play. And I think that again is the thing that we really want. So don't fear empty space and make sure that everything has a home. When everything has a home, your child can assist and and help in picking things up. And that is crazy awesome. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Everything has a home and it doesn't have to be in your living room. I give you permission to have a room in your house that is not child-filled and, and child-run. So if you want to make your living room or whatever space child-crap-free, go for it. It's okay to keep your kids' stuff in their room and make your child bring their stuff back to their room. So I just wanted to point that out because I know you guys, you matter. You as a person matter. And if you're like feeling run down, run over by all the stuff in your house, you get to choose that. All right. 
One last thing about toys, what to do about all the crappy little plastic toys that come into your house. And I know that is crazy ubiquitous. We have goodie bags, fast food toys. And even if you don't, I, I like didn't go to fast food restaurants for the first three years of Pascal's life and shit would show up in my house. Like these little plastic dollar store cheap items, oh, holy shit, they multiply in the dark. So have a random toy bin. So you can have a little tiny, it can be any sort of bin you like. We have this like really cool Ikea wood shelving that has slidable bins in them. So it was always one of those uh, shallow ones. Put all that stuff in one. And then every once in a while, just grab a handful and throw it away. Nothing in there is precious, but your child will notice if they're, if it's missing, but they won't notice if there's just too much of it. Most often I find with clients, it's like, there's just so much of it. So just kind of keep randomly ditching it. (laughs) On that note, you know, if, if your child's going to miss something, if you're unsure about an item and a toy and you think, I haven't seen them play with this, but in the past they've loved it. I don't know. I, I don't want to throw it away. I don't want to give it away yet. Have a waiting space. I personally have a cupboard. I call it purgatory. <laughs> and it's a waiting game. And things would that I was unsure of would go in that cupboard. And, you know, maybe six weeks if Pascal hadn't asked for it, doesn't remember it, then I would ditch it. So that's what I would do. And I you know, occasionally I would get rid of something that he asked and I would say, oh, you know what? We gave it away in the yard sale or, you know, I gave it to a friend. Sorry, buddy. And it was never anything crushing because obviously it wasn't something that he like loved, loved, loved. So that's how you can deal with that. Books. Books. The idea of getting rid of books is sacrilegious. Yes. And I know there is actually... if you're on Facebook and and you've seen the Marie Kondo, I guess she suggests that you only have 30 books at a time. And there's like outrage from the literary people who are like, 30 books, like on my nightstand. And so there's some really funny kickback from that. But there is something to be said, again, about visual clutter, about mental clutter and with our kids. And, you know, most kids have like a bookcase in their room or you have some cubby somewhere and we get books. We get books on holidays and birthdays and baby shower. And the books range from babyish picture books all the way to Harry Potter. And you've got this huge collection waiting for your child. And that is awesome. And I don't suggest you you throw out books, but definitely go with that library idea. You don't need all these books out in the open. Maybe when your child's a little older, you want this like I don't know, this this idea that you have this library in your house, tons and tons of books. But when they're little, they need consistency and repetition. You know your child's, they have like a 10-book radius at any given time. It's okay to not have everything out in the open. Again, if you want to trade them out, but definitely too, if you're saving series, you know, Harry Potter, you've got A Wrinkle in Time, you've got all these books that you, you're saving for when they're a little bit older, Put those away for now. Again, it's just, you want this, you want a, a, a more austere aesthetic because it's going to keep your child more settled. So that's just all I have to say about books. And I know books are a hot topic because people are like, don't fuck with my books. I love my books. And I'm the same way. I don't, I, I give books away. I, I have a thing about books need to be read and stories. So I give them away, but, but I know people have strong feelings. All right, clothes. Let's move on to clothes. I can guarantee you have too many clothes. Your child has too many clothes. And again, it's we want to foster independence, right? We want your child to be able to get dressed by themselves. We don't want meltdowns about choice paralysis with clothes, which often happens. So we don't want to do that. 
We're going to do the same exact thing that you did with the toys. Make a huge pile, cut in half. Make sure with clothes, and this goes for you too, guys, as a, as adults. Our clothes should, you know, the style, the look is definitely something where we all like, right? We, and, and with kids and particularly little girls, and it's just what I found through my work. I'm not stereotyping. The, your clothes are an expression of yourself, right? But also make sure that clothes feel really good. Our closet, anything you grab from your closet should feel really yummy soft, makes you feel good, makes you feel good about yourself. So you want to go through your kids' clothes with that too. What do they love? And you know, uh, again, the toys, the books, your kid has probably a 10 outfit radius. They, they love, love, love. Make sure everything fits. You want to just super keep up on that. Everything fits. Anything at any time, they grab anything out of their closet and they love it. It fits and it feels good. The thing about closets, bureaus, that it's that visual chaos. If everything is all crowded, too many options, your child's going to lose it. They'll lose it. So what can you do about clothes? The biggest thing I have found is clear hanging shoe racks that hang over closet doors. Put them in every freaking closet in your house. For your little's closet, you can do socks and underwear. For the hall closet, you can do hats and mittens. In the summertime, you can do outside toys, bubbles, bubble wands, balls, things like that, right? They're just amazing. When you put one in your kid's closet, like I said, socks and underwear, then the higher ones that they can't reach can have bows, belts, suspenders. And I actually have one in my room and, and Pascal's room and the upper right-hand corner is reserved for mismatched socks that come out of the dryer. And they, I always find the match. I just keep them in one spot. <laughs> and I think I'm highly clever for doing that. So that's why I'm mentioning it because I always, they, they show up, the socks show up. So that's a really great option. You can even, if you have the space, it can be socks and underwear. It can also be shirts and pants can be rolled up and put in into those. I actually have my wardrobe is rolled up single so I can just see and grab. And this eliminates so much drama with your toddler. They can see everything. They can get everything. And that is amazing. Now with the, with, if you have a bureau, you definitely want to fold things the condo way and you can, you can easily pull up a video on how to do that. So what you want to do is usually we fold, like if you take a t-shirt, we fold it in half and we fold, we put them on top of each other. Same thing with pants, right? We might fold it in half and then put them on top of each other. So what you want to do is more fold everything in thirds and stand it sideways. And so everything side by side. And this is a game changer. This makes it so easy for your child to see what's there and grab the singular thing. Because, oh my God, every kid does this. They only want the t-shirt that's at the bottom of the pile, right? And they grab that one and the whole pile goes flying. So definitely, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and because of course this is audio and I'm talking with my hands and I'm I really am folding this for you guys with my hands, but you can't see me. <laughs> so, so do yourself a favor. It's a it's a game changer to fold clothes the condo way. Yeah. So listen, I don't have any investment. I'm not making. I'm not trying to make you a minimalist because it's like my thing. I have no investment other than I want a nice space, a nice relaxing space for you. And I want a great space for your child. The environment matters and too much. All this visual chaos, I keep saying it, it's very, very 
It's very, very janky. I call it jangling <laughs> to your child's nerves. They will do that butterfly play. They will have choice paralysis. And this will create that niggly behavior and sometimes flat out meltdowns. We really always, always, always were looking to foster independence. We're looking to foster deep play and focused play. And this is not just about helping your child have better behavior. This is about extricating you from this equation. This is about you actually getting some time to yourself, right? You being able to sit and have a cup of coffee while your child's playing. That That's amazing, right? And so this is, this is part of the equation too. The sheer visual clutter, remember, it's just overwhelming to everybody. So do yourself a favor. And even if you don't go whole hog with this, take a look around, start watching your child go, oh my God, yes, I see that butterfly play that Jamie was talking about. I get it. Start noticing that stuff. Okay. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.